You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands in the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Brajesh Jha, who is the global head of media and entertainment for Genpact. Brajesh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So you and I met on an incredible panel. You were talking about really how brands uh, and marketing in general needs to evolve to have this more human impact. Um, and you've really been the champion of that there at Genpact. So share with us what Genpact is, and then we'll talk a bit about your personal journey. Certainly. Uh, Genpact is a global professional services firm, and uh, we help organizations prepare for tomorrow by reimagining their business today. So we have over 100,000 employees in over 70 countries. We serve 800 plus clients, mostly in North America and Europe. And uh, we lead our clients through their transformation journeys. We focus on outcomes and we bring in digital technologies to change their operations and offer unique commercial models to match the outcomes that we are delivering. But what makes you so unique, I think, is that truly like heart-centered, people-centered conversation. So how do you bring that into this massive role? I mean, the global head of media entertainment, not only is it a mouthful, but it is a big job. So what does your day-to-day look like and how do you humanize how you interact with your clients and your team? Yeah, certainly. So I'll start out by saying that uh, Genpact uh, has a purpose statement that defines everything that we do, and it sort of acts as the North Star for all that we do as a company. And our purpose is the relentless pursuit of a world that works better for people. Mm, that's, that. that's the purpose statement that our CEO has identified for the company. And as a business leader for a large number of industry segments where we are active, um, and for most of the segments that I'm responsible for, which relates to the media, entertainment, and other adjacencies, um, I'm trying to drive this uh, purpose-driven approach within the segments where we are active. Mm, I love that. Um, Let's go back in time and share with us what your journey has been to get to this role at Genpact, because again, it's it's a big, heavy responsibility role, but I know that you've had quite a, a history before this. So share with us where you came from. Certainly. Thank you so much, uh, Laurel. And for that, I will tell you, it's been uh, nearly three decades of corporate life for me. And I've been associated with three large conglomerates. The first one in early in my career was with the Tatas, uh, which are uh, predominantly an India-based but global organization. Uh, second was Oracle, where I spent almost two decades. And then now GE or Genpact, um, as, as we call it. So In all of these uh, companies, my common thread has been three things. One, it has always been about building teams through integrity and respect. Mm -hmm. Um, The second theme has been uh, driving growth by being client-centric. And the third is innovation and pursuit of excellence. Mm -hmm. 
And in doing this, uh, back during my days at Tata, I was hardcore into computer science, software development, um, and building latest and greatest technologies with other fellow technical folks. And then at Oracle, where I was one of the founding members of uh, the Advanced Customer Services Division, which was all about bringing to clients the maximum outcome that they can from their technology investments uh, through uh, an arm, uh, which was the professional services arm of Oracle. And in in doing that, I discovered uh, my own uh, human side, I should say, because uh, I had to grow a team from scratch and I had to build an organization which was spread across all geographies, served clients across all time zones, And in doing this, I discovered that I actually uh, enjoy a role when I have, uh, when I keep people at its heart, whether they are my team members who are part of my organization, or if it is uh, my clients that I'm serving, if I recognize what is their primary motivation, what it is that is, uh, that touches them in a meaningful way, uh, then I can be of much more value to them. And and if I deploy all of my analytical skills and, and innovative approaches in achieving those outcomes, then it brings the best of both the worlds for everyone. So that's sort of been my journey. And when I left uh, Oracle, I was running their North American uh, Advanced Customer Services Organization. And here, uh, when I arrived at Genpact, uh, it had just uh, you know completed a decade of having been spun out of GE mm-hmm. and was seeking industry leaders who could come and 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 bring the kind of accelerated growth uh, of you know uh, certain verticals where digital transformation technologies could be deployed. Uh, they found in me a convenient guinea pig, <laughs> and, I, and and I found in them a very hungry organization that was uh, still had the mindset of a startup, but had already grown pretty big in its scale. So I said, this seems like a good marriage and and could serve well for the next decade, hopefully. And it's been four and a half years now, and it has been quite a journey so far. Well, I think so. I, you know, I'm, like you were saying, hungry and thirsty for evolution constantly. And I was interested in the actual meaning of your name as it related to your role there. So I looked up what Rajesh means, and it actually means that you're like the king uh, among men, right? King of the gods, king among men, this this kind of um, interpretation. Um, And I think that that is so clearly what your role is in this organization is really leading evolution and change and showing them what's possible, both from a technology and human perspective. Um, Do you feel like you were kind of born to do this? (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that research. Um, yeah. So your research is accurate. It does mean uh, the king of uh, um, a certain location, which is uh, Braj in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Lord Krishna is the meaning of the name. Um, and uh, I will say that uh, leadership is something that I have always enjoyed, whether it was during my childhood days in playing games and uh, leading teams and so on. Uh, but uh, uh, as far as uh, the corporate world and organization is concerned, I certainly would not say um, <laughs> I would only lead men. Uh, I am proud of all the diversity we have been driven, driving over the years. Correct. But, it was just a statement. I wasn't meaning like literally uh, king among uh, men. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've absolutely enjoyed uh, when, 
when I take a certain team member from point A to point B uh, in terms of their evolution, like you said, and in the process, I benefit from all the wisdom they bring to the table. So yeah. while they might give me the credit for their own career path and their journey, uh, it's eventually uh, my own uh, satisfaction and a sense of having given back to someone which, which carries me forward and which has been a constant for me all these years. I love that. It's such a humble, it's a humble brag, humble leadership, which is exactly kind of that energy that you put forth. Um, how challenging is it to, uh, you know, really what you're doing is building a, a bit businesses within a large organization and a larger ecosystem. What does that like look like? Does that mean you have multiple report? I mean, you have to to roll up to the C-suite and then you have to roll down to the uh, teams and the clients that you serve. It's a pretty big role. How does that, um, how have you built that business, that kind of business ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. And and you touched upon something very important here, which is uh, this entire notion of building businesses inside a larger ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a taste of it back during my Oracle days when we discovered that it was essentially a product company and services Uh, were not necessarily the dominant theme, but the clients needed it. And high-end expertise was something that they were willing to pay for. So our journey began with uh, setting up a small team, serving a bunch of clients with the best capabilities we could bring and innovative approaches that we could provide to them, all in an attractive commercial construct. And by acquiring the best practices and constantly innovating, and showing to the clients that there was a need for them to stay with us for the long run, we built uh, an annuity-based revenue stream, which gradually became big enough that by the time I left, it was uh, nearly a billion-dollar business worldwide. Wow. And it has, it has been increasing ever since. Um, but the part that really required um, this kind of a growth inside uh, Oracle and now here at Genpack for the past four years when we started this uh, industry vertical, it didn't exist when I arrived on the scene. And I I essentially had to just follow my old playbook, which was uh, going back to your question as well, which was it starts with having the right kind of people in your seed team. If okay. you've got your seed members who are made up of high integrity Uh, passionate people who treat others with respect. That's your basic material. If you have it, then the next step is to find a problem to solve, something that clients have not found a way to solve using their own folks or existing vendors that they interact with. And then the third is to generate enough excitement within the rest of the organization's ecosystem. So literally treating the C-suite as your Um, as your investors Mm -hmm. in your startup and treating all of the other leaders inside the the ecosystem as folks who are stakeholders who have something to gain from the growth of this new business inside the larger ecosystem. And if you have brought uh, a team of people and you're constantly providing the valued services and the clients are willing to pay for it and you have shown a revenue stream, it just makes it much easier to seek additional funding as you keep scaling up. And in our case, for the past four years, the way we have been scaling up, we have been lucky enough that uh, our CEO loves to talk about this vertical. <laughs> and, and we've got board members of Genpact who are passionate about what we are doing. 
And so that has sort of been the ecosystem. But for me, it goes back to people. And if you have the right people uh, who, who you are proud of, then everything else uh, falls in line. I could not agree more. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so. But we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you. And how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I'm chatting with Rajesh Jha, who is the global head of media and entertainment for GenPath. I just love the conversations I have with you, Rajesh. And this is, I'm so lucky. This is my third or fourth call with you, I think, actually, uh, uh, around the human elements of marketing, the human elements of the future of media and entertainment. And you penned an article recently um, that really talks about how it's time for media and entertainment to play a bigger role in building a kinder, safer world. Can you tell us a little bit about that article and what the thesis is and and what you hope the outcome to be from that? Certainly. Um, We found during the pandemic that one of the key issues that um, everyone was facing was loneliness. Yeah. And uh, I had a chance to... uh, see a book that came out and was received glowing reviews in Economist and everywhere else. It was by Norina Hertz, and the book is called uh, A Lonely Century. Mm. And essentially, it, it talks about how loneliness has become the defining condition of the 21st century. It's damaging so our sad. It is. It is. It's, it's, I mean, there are other statements that people make, like, you know, social media is the new smoking and, and all of that. <laughs> Sitting um, but, is slowly killing you, all of those statements, right? <laughs> absolutely. But but I think at the core of it is loneliness and it is damaging our health, our wealth, happiness, and it's even threatening the democracy in some ways. Um, and, and I think that um, even before this entire notion of social distancing began, um, there was something that was happening to our society where um, the, the civic institutions that are the pillars of our democracy, um, we saw that uh, those have started to now weaken because people don't have as much interest in public service. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the sense of community that you normally have when you're not lonely and you are exposed to more positive influences through the real life interactions, if those are replaced with you being sitting on a couch and watching a show for hours and hours. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, the world of media is something where we serve and, and we get all our business from. But I still think that um, if, if the only kind of media that, that people are exposed to um, is, is the kind that is not going to help with their mental health, then there is some degree of responsibility that the world of media and entertainment has to take for it. I totally and, agree. And, and and that is the thought that I initially started with. And then I started doing some more research on, can there be a positive impact? Can we flip it and say, all right, let's, let's take it upon ourselves as a challenge and see if we can address it. And, and I had a chance to read a book, which actually is in my library here. It's called The Midnight Library. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a fabulous book. It talks about how... Um, you know, people might look backwards at their own lives and and come up with conclusions in so many different ways. But it the book leaves you 
feeling so much better about the fact that while there are certain conditions that might cause you to go on a certain path in your own life's journey, um, you could actually look at it from a very different angle and, and feel a lot more positive about it. Um, and certainly there are other movies that I'm sure you've heard of, like Pursuit of Happiness mm-hmm. or Zootopia and so on. And, and then I thought, you know, the books and these movies, if, what if we were to think in terms of um, the addictive impulses of human beings to watch a certain type of content or to consume a certain type of content. But if we were to think from the standpoint of dietary consumption, where you have a health triangle, mm-hmm. you know, there are healthy food, healthy food that you can have. There is some that are okay. And then there is junk food. And if we could take the content world and if we could identify what might fall into a dangerous junk food category that you should limit your consumption to and 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 the kind of content that will actually leave you mentally a lot more energized and a lot more positive about yourself um, w- would that be something that the world of media should think about mm-hmm. and and that's how this whole thing started and then i started thinking okay so since we serve this industry we have a bunch of capabilities in our toolkit is there a way we can make it happen and that's that's that was sort of where the article started and i can i can talk more about uh, what 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 are some of those ideas that we have presented in that paper i just think again this heart centered leadership this this recognition from a global leader like you in a an organization that is a global leader in the space is so refreshing. That's why I had to have you on the podcast today. I really just wanted you to, to show our listenership that, um, that, you know, companies that are, are making billions of dollars can also do good in the world. And that's really the, 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 the stance you come from. I think the, the recognition of the mental health issues and the, the role that media has, has, played in that is absolutely critical to your point. Um, but yes, please go into some more of the of the kind of um, the the takeaways from that article because it was just it was quite brilliant, I have to say. I read it like three times. Thank you. Thank you for all the compliments. Uh, I will tell you uh, when we started looking at all the existing toolkits that we have, um, we had been working with uh, companies throughout the spectrum of the world of media. So on the one hand, we work with some of the market leaders on the social media side, and uh, we provide them a lot of trust and safety-based solutions, uh, which are a mix of our artificial intelligence capabilities, as well as our workflow management capabilities and uh, uh, operational discipline that we bring to the table. So we have a, a very deep understanding of the impact that social media can have on psyche and and all of the uh, moderation that is ne- needed before a certain type of content gets out to a social media channel. So that's that's a big chunk of capabilities that we already had. It's about being owning it and being very responsible for it. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then also looking at it from the standpoint of um, what kind of biases in an artificial intelligence algorithm could drive uh, an automated engine to provide recommendations that might not actually be accurate. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of research that we have done in that space. 
The second thing that uh, we also had uh, was uh, a lot of information about this new world that we are going towards, which is the cookie-less world. Right. Where I think that the, was the panel that you and I were on, actually, was talking about what the heck we're going to do <laughs> and how advertisers and media companies are going to deal with that very issue. Exactly. That's exactly right. And uh, in in that sense, we looked at the, the notion of collecting first-party data and, and building those persona profiles of individuals. So in a nutshell, if you... If you are careful about privacy issues, but in order to promote your type of content or to make your relevant decisions in terms of what kind of content I should be investing in, what is going to have the legs for the long term, um, there's a lot of uh, data engineering and customer data management and customer data platforms uh, related work that has to be done. And we work Mm -hmm. closely with media companies in that space of content analytics content supply chain planning, and so on. So we know that we possess a lot of skills in terms of figuring out what kind of content might uh, a certain category or certain persona uh, would resonate to. So that is the second capability that we had. And then the third part uh, was all about algorithms. So we have a huge amount of uh, Uh, our own patented uh, artificial intelligence solutions that we have. Uh, We also have workflow solutions that we have built over the years. And uh, essentially uh, deploying um, a certain type of content into um, your overall uh, content supply chain and the digital rights that are associated with the content that might have come from a certain uh, scenario and so on. For all of that, the associated infrastructure of knowing uh, what infrastructure has to go to the cloud, what kind of uh, uh, modernization that you need to to drive or what kind of technology debt you need to address. So all the strategic imperatives that a content company or a media company might have, not just from the standpoint of uh, uh, building up a content library, but also from the standpoint of the platforms where it has to go, and the broadcasters and the networks where all of it uh, has to show up, this entire ecosystem, including the the agencies and the publishers, Mm -hmm. this entire ecosystem has to participate in it and it has to work closely with the regulatory regime because, you know, as you can very well understand, (laughs) the the regulations are always behind. Of course. Um, Technology is way ahead. So it, it requires... All the building blocks that we as a company possess in our own toolkit, but it also requires a bit of a social responsibility that has to come from the industry and then working in collaboration with the regulators to come up with ways in which you can um, not only recognize that a given kind of content is ready for multimodal viewing, but only in certain scenarios or a specific content is likely to lead an individual to have XYZ impact on their mental health. Or a certain type of content is likely to lead to a very positive effect on someone when they do consume that content. So these are all the various uh, types of uh, ideas that we have presented in that paper. And uh, the, the overall purpose is to just get this conversation going because no one has come up with an actual solution to it. Right. There are all, all kinds of uh, 
uh, coverage that we get about the, the deleterious effect of media, but not enough on the positives that can be driven from the same set of capabilities. Very challenging. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably very likely that you've worked with a marketing agency that hasn't really worked out. That's why Elevate My Brand has developed our roadmap to marketing process. We use an extremely data-driven approach to show you exactly what your competitors are doing in the omnichannel space so that we can develop a strategy and tactical approach to success in your marketing. Call us today and let's get mapping. Thanks for sticking with us. I am chatting with the brilliant Brajesh Shah, who is the global head of media and entertainment uh, from Genpath. We, before the break, we're talking about the article that you penned, talking about the responsibility of media companies in creating and promoting uh, and using technology to ensure the delivery of positive mental health uh, content that will have a positive mental health effect. Now, this is great in a perfect world, but like you said, there are regulatory bodies, there's advertisers, there's Uh, the media companies themselves that are producing the content, and you get a ton of press around this conversation. What is actually, are you seeing media companies actually taking steps to do this? Um, Or is this just a pie in the sky dream? I will say that we have seen um, very promising steps that are being taken. I mean, some of them play out in the public arena, um, like, the stories that we have heard about of the social media companies trying to justify why a certain content was blocked or why a certain individual might not have been allowed to post and so on. We hear about all of the uh, restrictive aspects of it uh, from a social media perspective, as well as from uh, regulations that come up in certain geography where a certain type of content might not be considered acceptable while it might be in rest of the world and so on. Mm-hmm. So we do we do see those kind of steps. We also see a very positive step being taken, certainly with uh, um, the cookies uh, going away, the the privacy of individuals uh, uh, being given a lot more importance, uh, and new regulations being passed in that regard, and companies definitely stepping up and taking care of uh, what what is expected of them. Uh, those are very promising trends that we have seen, but. But beneath the surface, the interactions that we have with chief data officers of chief digital officers, we are seeing a renewed interest and a very strong focus on data uh, and and building a unified view of consumers and and driving um, the right kind of algorithmic investment to to not only... um, have all kinds of possible labels on what is coming out so that across all distributed, uh, across all platforms and across all broadcast uh, channels, when that content gets shipped out, uh, there are plenty of tags and labels that will make it possible to dynamically alter what might be consumed by that geography and and what might not be interesting that's fascinating let's stop on that for a quick second because that's really where we see the world of media entertainment collide with technology that's like that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of a of a a focus um it's basically like labeling something organic or it's a newer version of pg13r it's it's all these dynamic integrated data points when the Mm -hmm. content actually ships correct Absolutely. You got it. Fascinating. Wow. 
and companies are doing that currently, and, but there's no regulation in terms of what's required, you know, in terms of a schedule of positive content. Like that sounds to me like this is the next step, right? Is how do we, what is the, that triangle of health, right? That triangle of, of uh, intake in terms of consumer behavior as it relates to entertainment. That seems to be like what needs to happen next in order to actually make this valuable long-term. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I, I, I would say that there are, regulations depending on which region you're talking about or which geography or the kind of sensitivities involved in it um, but but there's no unified view on right what what makes sense globally uh, one thing I can say for sure is that uh, the positive impact is a lot more common whereas the negativity could be challenged you right. might say that oh no you might think this is harmful to me I find it thrilling but but the positivity associated with a certain kind of uh, you know act of kindness or fairness or things that bring out the most positive feelings in human beings that is what unites the entire world you cannot find a certain region that tells you oh no uh, an act of kindness is considered uh, not acceptable in our region <laughs> <laughs> that would be ridiculous right so uh, so that that goodness is what uh, binds the entire humanity and I think if there are certain regulations that make it possible for content creators to be incentivized that you know there is this percentage of my content which is likely to have a very positive impact on society and and so a local governmental regulation will promote that so that I think would generate a very different way of looking at how we go about deciding on what kind of subjects we should be tackling or how should we end a given story uh, when when the viewers who are left thinking about that story, what kind of feelings does it evoke in them and, and things of that nature? I mean, it's, it's in a perfect world, you're working towards really having significant positive impact on all of our mental states because media in every form is what we consume on a daily basis. And ultimately, what that rolls up to is coming to this table from a more purpose-driven conversation, which is really the root of the work that you do. Um, but you pull, pulling in the data points is what makes it so fascinating to me. Because it's not just a let's do good in the world, let's feel good, let's you know be positive and happy. It's how do we actually back that up with real data that will in inspire real change that will uh, you know support our global economy. So I, I just think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. I love your approach. Rajesh, in the last few minutes we have left, any final words of wisdom for our audience? I could talk to you all day. I mean, I just find this topic absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laurel. You've been very kind throughout this conversation. Um, I will say that uh, uh, I, I just want the audience to think of it as if, if you have a problem that is staring you on your face, you know that it needs to be solved, but it is one of those things that you always postpone for tomorrow. It's not urgent ever. It is, it is important, but it is never urgent. What if you took your existing infrastructure and you triggered conversations, whether you are on the content creation side or you're part of the new creator economy, or you are likely to be active in the metaverse, which is a massive, massive uh, expansion in business ecosystem that we are likely to see, no matter which part of the spectrum you fall into, just imagine that if there was concerted action taken in this regard, and if industry players 
such as Genpack, which are offering services to companies in this space, could come to your service with very precise and pointed uh, set of capabilities, why would you not engage? And why would you not further this conversation with your colleagues and peers? So that's the core message I would leave the audience with. Thank you so much, Brajesh. Thank you for spending some time with us today and for really inspiring our global communities to make positive change through uh, media and entertainment. It is, you know, what we do all day, every day. It's what we consume all day, every day. And the impact that you're having is felt by all of us. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Laurel. It has been a pleasure. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.